0: This is Jonathan Hansen. I'm the
1: president of World Ministries International. I want to welcome you to the Warning Television Program. Those that are listening on radio, Warning Radio, Warning Shortwave, social media, welcome. We're in our college chapel here at World Ministries International. It's a live audience. And uh, we are going to be speaking today on God's development of his ministers. This is a part two. If you missed last week, you could, you could look it up. Look it up on my website, www.worldministries.org. You could go to my Rumble channel, Morning TV, Jonathan Hansen, Roku channel. But you could uh, see what was said last week. Now, in part one, we explained. Point one, God has always used man to carry out his commission and preach the word. He's always done it. Two, God disciplines each of us in order that we may be more effective for him. And three, man is unusable. This is the crux of the problem. Man has a problem. And in his problem, he nullifies the word of God. We concluded with a statement by Watchman Nee. Quote, the Holy Spirit does not side with the word alone. He also sides with a man who is broken and bears the mark of the cross. A broken, stricken human spirit is a usable spirit. Broken, not with vanity and pride that overrides the Holy Spirit. Should the Holy Spirit fail to be released, it is because of the hindrance of our outward man. Our emotions, temper, and will can each one hinder the word. We may speak well, yet, actually can be merely word, doctrine, or teaching, not the word of God. It needs to make a turn in you and flow out again. Then the word is intimately knit with you. It is pressed and pushed forth in you. But if there should be any defect in your emotions, thought, understanding, heart, or spirit, the word of God will be damaged by you. Not only will your word be defective, But the whole church will be adversely affected. You will have ruined God's word as well as despoiled God's church. We must let his word pass through us without hindrance. If God is merciful to us, we shall see the light. Scribes and Pharisees could quote the scriptures, but. It was not effective because the Holy Spirit was not residing. They hadn't submitted their will to God and what it was was just mere words. No conviction, no anointing, just words. Many times taken out of context that condemned instead of saved. Point number four. This is the problem in the nations today. The Holy Spirit cannot side with most of the ministers of the word. One reason is because most of the ministers of the word do not have intimacy with the Holy Spirit. They might acknowledge Jesus as God, but they spend no time with God other than preparing a teaching, sermon, dissertation, etc. The second reason is half of the churches are mainline churches under the communist organization known as the Federal Council of Churches, which is the forerunner of the National Council of Churches. With its Geneva parent organization, the World Council of Churches. The NCC, National Council of Churches, leads dozens of Protestant, Orthodox, and Anglican denominations, including the Presbyterian, Episcopalian, Evangelical, Lutheran, United Methodist, and many others. There are good Christians attending these churches, yet it does explain why many of their pastors are so liberal. Supporting the United Nations and anti-Judeo-Christian agenda of abortion, homosexuality, and saying all religions serve the same God. Mainline churches nullify the gifts of the Holy Spirit. Reject them. Without the Holy Spirit, the Spirit of God flowing through you, how in the world are you supposed to speak with authority, with anointing, to bring conviction when you nullify sin? That's half of the churches in the United States already. Once again, as my dream and Watchman Nee in his book warned, that it's a pastor behind the pulpit responsible for the pathetic, dysfunctional, and even sinful condition of the church. The third reason most ministers are not worthy and qualified to speak the word is that they even deny or fail to enhance the Holy Spirit and his gifts in their life. If they fail to covet, as the Bible and Jesus urged Christians to do, They could be effective in representing him and how they can be his ambassadors. They must covet to be effective. If we don't covet the Holy Spirit, Jesus said, hey, don't even don't even try it when he ascended until you are filled with my power till I am flowing through you. Don't even try. And if if you don't care, if you even get filled, you're worthless other than cracking a few jokes. They lacked the empower and authority of the Holy Spirit in their lives to do the works of the ministry as Jesus did on earth. Quote, today is the time to ask for mercy, Watchman Nee says. How the ministers have failed to bring God's word to men. The poverty of the ministers causes the poverty of the church. Again, Watchman Nee. Watchman Nee died representing the word of God. When the Japanese were overthrown in China, and the communists moved in. Watchman Nee spoke out against them. Just like the communists are trying to take over America. Where are the pastors speaking it out? What's going against? Where are they speaking against this tyranny? Unconstitutional laws and edicts. Watchman Nee did it, and they eventually arrested him for it. Well, I'll tell you what if you continue to speak the truth, if you dare, they're censoring you right now. We lost our YouTube channel because of the communist takeover. They didn't like what I said. All I spoke is the truth. Once again in America, we're involved in a Marxist coup of the Republic of the United States of America because the ministers of the gospel have utterly failed to bring the true word of God to their churches. They instead use their own vanity to change God's word so people can be more puffed up in their pride, prejudice, and living in sins as Joel Osteen has produced with Christians willing to cooperate with Hitler, Biden, instead of resisting his unconstitutional mandates. You no, know, Holstein was so naive, he even thought Obama was a Christian. I mean, my God, how naive can you get? Barack, Arabic, Hussein, Muslim, Obama, Arabic. You back the Muslim Brotherhood. You come against everything that's holy and righteous. You back the world Muslim organizations. You're a Christian? Then I'm a donkey. You know, I'm a democratic fool. I'm a Marxist if you're a Christian. Did you hear me, Obama? Remember the scribes and Pharisees, Sanhedrin could help a person to know the scriptures, but they did not interpret them correctly because they themselves did not accept Jesus Christ, which is the prerequisite to leading others to Christ or ministering correctly. Again, Watchman Nee came against communism. Are we coming against this communistic takeover right now or just cooperating like the Germans did? German Christians. You know, I've heard Americans criticize what happened in Germany. You're doing the same thing, pastor. You're doing nothing. Well, the Nazis take over. The Hitler, Biden, the communists. You're doing nothing as we lose our freedoms. I've been calling on radio and television for mass civil disobedience. Don't follow these edicts. Don't close down your churches. Don't wear masks into the churches. Praise the name of the Lord. Open the churches up. Are we going to go under tyranny? If the pastor behind the pulpit is worthless, we are. Quote, Watchman, knee, at the time the Lord Jesus was born. Many Jews were thoroughly conversant with the scriptures that they could immediately without need of further research at the home to Herod's inquiry as to where Christ should be born. They referred to the Old Testament by quoting the prophet and you Bethlehem land of Judah are by no means least among the leaders of Judah for out of you shall Bring forth a ruler who will shepherd my people Israel. Matthew two six. They could recite scripture by memory, yet they did not know Christ. Their familiarity with the scriptures did not help them to seek Christ. It instead helped kill Christ by giving assistance to Herod in his attempt to slay God's anointed. How absurd is such familiarity with the Bible? And distorted is to use to which such Bible knowledge may be put. When the Lord Jesus came to earth, he fulfilled the words of the Bible one after another. All who know the scriptures know for certain from the fulfillment of prophecy that Jesus of Nazareth is the Son of God. But did the Pharisees know him? They neither recognized him or accepted him. They inscribed scriptures' verses as on their robes the garments, they possess Bible knowledge and ability to explain prophecies, to expound and teach doctrines, yet they shut Christ out. We shut the Holy Spirit out of half of the churches in America, the mainline churches. Jesus said you can do nothing until you go tarry and be filled with my dunamis-released energy, my power, my authority. And you and your own vanity think you don't need it. In fact, you totally reject it. In fact, you say those that have it are demon-possessed. You know, when they call Jesus the devil... That was the unpardonable sin, and Jesus started speaking to them in parables. I think people are the walking dead in many churches today, and they don't even know it. They can go to churches, never be convicted. They're already the walking dead, and they don't even know it. They already have a seared conscience. Neither you, God, or the scriptures can do anything about it. Nothing convicts them. Point number five, how does God discipline us in order to use us? The Webster's Dictionary defines discipline as, quote, the training of the mind in character, a branch of learning, a mode of life in accordance with rules, self-control, control, control, order, obedience to rules, a system of practical rules for the members of the church or in order, punishment, mortification of the flesh by way of penance, to bring under control the train to punish. That's Webster's Dictionary. Quote by Watchman Nee. When we're. When we were on the topic of the minister himself, we especially noted the significance of our outward man being broken, our pride. This alone ensures the going forth of the words of the Lord through us. You know, God resists the proud. My first supernatural dream is after I repented of hating a man for five years. Then that vanity, that pride caused me not to forgive. And I finally forgave when God broke that outer man, that stubbornness. I had my first supernatural dream. Here, too, we must emphasize the necessity for the Lord to break our outward man, that our emotions may be made ready for the ministry of the word. We need to be broken. We go through things that we don't even realize God is allowing us to be broken. For the one who is under his dealing, God orders all sorts of circumstances by which to break him. Each stroke opens in him a wound which gives him pain. His feeling is automatically wounded, becoming more delicate than before. Man's emotion is naturally the most sensitive area of the soul. It is more tender than the will in a mind. Nonetheless, it does not possess enough sensitivity to be useful to God. It does not possess the degree of tenderness, which is demanded of God's word. If his word is to come through us, we must be filled with a feeling of his word. We must match our feeling with that of God's word. Our feeling must be able to cope with our words. We must Again, match our feeling with God's word. When it, whatever emotion the word requires must be fully supplied, else the word is not strong enough to help others. We will have to be broken before our feeling will turn tender, broken by the hand of God. There must be wounds and suffering. One who has had the cross worked into his life and has been broken by the Lord, his stubbornness will no longer be stubborn. His big brain is no longer inflated, unquote. We've all known people with a big head. They think they know more than anybody else, and they are the little rabbi. All our trials, tribulations, thorns in the flesh, God uses and sometimes even instigates to discipline our carnal, selfish, stubborn, unfeeling nature so we can see, feel, and sympathize as Christ did with people. Say, why am I going through so much trouble. Maybe God is allowing you to be broken, broken, because right now he can't use you very much. People attacking us, Christians betraying us, children turning against us, health problems, marriage problems, job problems, security problems, vehicle problems, money problems, all of these. Health problems was mentioned first. How's your health? God uses all of them to break the carnal outward man so we can be used by God through the Holy Spirit. So we can do the works of the ministry quote by watchman Nee: when with a feeling within there comes the expression without Peter quote lifted up his voice. When he addressed the audience at Pentecost, his voice was raised because his feeling was deep. in other, in other words, the Holy Spirit, God in him was speaking through him. It wasn't monotone just reading a book like some dead Lutheran minister in a pulpit. Yeah, they just. The bishops of the Lutheran church that has made a bishop of some transgender. What apostasy. Flat out apostasy. I got a man now who's been with me over 20 years. He attended the Lutheran cemetery. I mean seminary. And uh, now he's filled with the Holy Spirit and a man of God. But my God, he needed help when he first got to me. So filled with that uh, Lutheran deadness. Am I offending anybody yet? No, I'm not trying to offend you. I'm trying to kill you. You're Okay. Kill you, not offend you. Kill you till you repent. Peter lifted up his voice when he addressed the audience at Pentecost. His voice was raised because his feelings were deep. The depth of emotion in Peter made him lift up his voice. Paul exhorted the church at Corinth with many tears. Some may never have shed any tears in their preaching for their sensitivity is not adequate. You can't have emotions running through you. you just like a sociopath, psychopath, no emotions. You need to be broken till you feel sensitivity. Till you can cry with those that cry. You can grieve with those that grieve. You can laugh with those that laugh. If you ever met people, they got no emotions. They call themselves a Christian. Or they got no emotions. Well, you're going to be broken. I can promise you that or God will not use you. You're a sounding brass and a tinkling cymbal with no restoration inside of you. You say things are getting tough. They're going to get tougher until you're broken. It's an indication of unbrokenness if we can't cry. If one has never raised his voice or shed any tears, one's emotions must be so refined that he can rejoice when God's word is joyful and wail when God's word is sorrowful. Some have been so tightly bound in their emotions all their life. This isn't God. Something's wrong with your upbringing. They're so cold that they cannot dance when piped to and they cannot weep when wailed at because their feelings lag behind God's word is obstructed in its delivery. Quote, Watchman Nee. There's only one way to become effective in ministry in preaching the word of God. That is when our selfishness, our pride, our stubbornness has been broken. When it's been broken. That's the only way I, after going to Bible school, started moving with the Holy Spirit when I was broken. Five years of resisting repentance of hatred. When things kept going bad to worse, marriage problems, everything else, I finally broke. Then the Holy Spirit Started to use me first my first supernatural dream you got to get out of the way You got to be broken to really be moved and used by God and that wasn't a one-time God is always dealing with each one of us and we need to always let him break us Because he's going to always allow things to come into our life until we are so thoroughly broken that it's only God flowing through us Not your ugliness Is that a good word? You should look in the mirror and say, I am ugly. Yes, you are. (laughs) If there's anything good in you, it's the Holy Spirit other than an I am ugly. I am vain. I am proud. I am arrogant. I'm a sinner saved by grace. Oh, hallelujah. Amen? Amen. If you don't think you're ugly, look in the mirror. Now, you can be beautiful on the outside, but what's on the inside? See, that's the thing that God looks at. What's on the inside? Now, some, some are beautiful on the outside and beautiful on the inside, and praise the Lord for that. Yeah. I'm beautiful on the inside.
0: <laughs>
1: I can't say too much about the outside. <laughs> I know Scott would agree with me. <laughs> I had to tease him a little bit. His wife would say, oh, he's a handsome man. <laughs> Only when we can identify and have compassion with their infirmities, can God use us to speak, teach, and preach his word. It is only then that the spirit of God flows out of our belly through our vocal cords to bring life, conviction, salvation, healing, deliverance, to set the captives free. That's what we want to do, amen? We want to set them free. That's the whole point of ministry, to set them free, to give them life, to give them a future, to give them destiny, to give them hope. Point number six, why must the Lord have us go through so many trials in life? Quote, Nee says, why must the Lord bring people through so many trials? This is all due to the fact that feeling is essentially the person himself. Most people's emotions are spent only on themselves. They can easily feel the things that concern them, but have no sensitivity for things that concern others. Think about that. That's pretty deep. Some may be extremely insensitive, insensitive to all things. Yet when it comes to their own affairs, they're most keen. Oh my goodness. It touched me. Now I care. A brother may be rude to others, but suppose you are rude to him. He will deeply resent it and feel hurt. All of the feelings of his brother are spent on himself. He just loves himself and lives for himself. If he meets any personal difficulty, he will cry, though he has absolutely no feelings toward other people. God will continue to allow things to come to break that outer selfishness. A Christian, and especially a minister of the gospel, who preaches the word of God must have his outward man broken. We are disciplined by the Holy Spirit so we can be used by God. This is how God develops his ministers. Unless we are disciplined by God, we are indeed ruled and led by our self-centeredness and indeed remain unfeelings toward the needs of others. I mean, I can can say amen to that. I look over my life and many times I've been selfish. and As God allows me to go deep waters, I'm, I'm starting to feel more and more and more and more about the pains and feelings of others. I needed those experiences. Amen? We all need them. Nee says, Brethren, unless the Lord has succeeded in breaking down our feeling, how useless we are in the ministry of the word. Useless. Often under the discipline of the Holy Spirit, the Lord's hand remains on us until we can feel for others. We need to channel all our emotion into the ministry of the word. We have no time to spend on ourselves. Our feelings must grow in its Sensitivity. It ought not to be exhausted. Many people mistakenly believe only in themselves. They reckon themselves as the center of the universe. Hence, all their feelings resolve around themselves. God will strike and deal with us till we do not feel just for ourselves, till our emotions become sensitive to others. What are they feeling? Do we care? The secret of sensitive feeling lies in not making ourselves the center The finer we are ground, the more selfless we become and the more effective will be our feelings. Jesus was moved with compassion. He was moved with feeling. That's why he ministered to the poor, the needy, the downtrodden. All the heroes of the Bible, all the prophets and apostles were broken by circumstances, family, friends, and enemies. By the discipline of the Holy Spirit, by God's development of his ministers. Moses was constantly dealt with by God as a prince of Egypt. He fled for his life after defending his brethren and killing an Egyptian, but then betrayed by his brethren. He spent 40 years in the wilderness where God used the circumstances to continue to deal with his stubbornness, pride, and selfishness so that Moses was willing to return to Egypt and confront Pharaoh. Before that, it was self-preservation, selfishness. During the time confronting Pharaoh with 10 plagues, God used his own brethren which he was trying to free from slavery to rise up against Moses. Later, when Pharaoh released the Hebrews from slavery, Moses was constantly being challenged by his own brethren in the wilderness, who not only rose up against his leadership several times, including his own sister and brother who complained against him, with Aaron being manipulated by the people to make another God. Family, friends, enemies, constantly. God is allowing them to break us, to challenge us, to get our attention. Moses learned the feelings and emotions of his people. He learned their heartaches, worries, and sufferings. Moses learned to listen and follow God. Consequently, to see miracles brought on by his obedience to the leading of the Lord. Joseph with his brother's betrayal, Potiphar's betrayal, in Pharaoh's dungeon, learned wisdom, sensitivity, and leadership. Joseph changed by boasting to his brothers of what God revealed to him to being more humble, realizing the dream was from God, not to enhance his selfishness, vanity, and pride, but as a revelation of the future in which God would have to discipline him in life to prepare him to care about the feelings, emotions, and welfare of not only his brethren, but the people of Egypt as well. Joseph wasn't ready as a young man, even though God shown him the future to save Egypt and Israel. He had to be broken in what a way he was. Then seven, God spends much time in training our spirit and allowing our outer man to be broken. Now, ladies and gentlemen, is God breaking you? He is, he's breaking me. We must not fight it. We must understand and cooperate with God so that we can become really the person filled with the Holy Spirit flowing and truly being able to help other people. Then we can help ourselves, help our spouse. Then we can be blessed. I'm gonna continue with a part three. God bless you.